You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Well, 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 you're out of town again? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. My joke is that I'm... um... I'm on an election rehab, a political and rehab. <laughs> don't we <laughs> all need that? No, I literally, I don't blame you. I am so emotionally drained this week. It's just, it's too much, too much. Yeah. And I figured if I stayed in my house, I would just be glued to the news and it's, it's not changing anytime soon. I know. So like, I, want, I wanted a break from it. Yeah. I totally get it. Little thing. Yeah. Totally get it. Totally get it. Well, the show must go on, as we know. So even though, even though Chip is out of town, we wanted to put up an act casual this week. This is actually one of the questions that you guys have asked consistently since we started talking about sex and dating. Um, and it's the topic of porn, masturbation, what is normal in a relationship, what is uh, not okay, how do you get to a place of feeling comfortable with your partner about this topic. I mean, Chip, what do you think about all this stuff? These topics are tough. They're, I mean, look, and they're they're so personal. It's like so personal. And even when it comes to like not being in a relationship, like I have, you know, me and everybody, I, all of my friends have a different relationship with porn. You yeah, know? So it's yeah. Like, I can't imagine, um, you know, what it must be like when it comes to like having to disclose your relationship with porn to somebody else. And that's, totally. you know, in order to have a healthy relationship, you have to be honest about everything. So, right. And it, there's probably some people that it works. It's like perfect for two people. They're like right on the same page and it's like good um, to sort of disclose that. So I'm kind I'm really excited to hear, um, you know, more about it from a professional sense versus, you know, our, our informed opinions. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you said, everyone kind of has or their own. Opinion. Yeah. I mean, everyone does have their own relationship with this topic. It's a tough topic to talk about. There's a lot of shame around this topic. So we didn't want to just give you guys information based off of our personal opinion, which, you know, that's what we typically do on at casual, but this felt a little bigger to me because 
obviously having different relationships with this this uh, topic. I've said that like four times now, but you and I are even different. And so we can't give just one thought on what is right and what is wrong. And I think it does vary for relationships. So I brought in uh, Dr. David Garion. He has been on the Velvet Touch podcast before. He is a sex therapist in Nashville. He is an expert on all of these topics and he's so great and so informed. And every time I talk to him about something, I feel like it makes really hard topics a lot easier to digest. So he and I had a conversation earlier today. Chip, you haven't even heard it yet, but I'm really excited for you to hear it because it was super informative. Yeah. So hopefully we answered your, uh, the questions for you guys. If you do still have questions after listening to this podcast, please message us at at casual at velvets edge.com, or you can slide into my DMS on at velvets edge. Um, I just think this is like such a fascinating topic. It's something I'm going to bring into my relationship, the tips that he gave on how to deal with it and confront it. Uh, maybe it'll be uncomfortable. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But hopefully we can help you guys out today. And here is that conversation. Enjoy. So Dr. Yerian, I was telling you that I get a lot of questions from listeners just asking about what is a healthy amount of masturbation um, and then just how does porn tie into that? I think most of the questions we're getting are from people within relationships um, and they're just really curious about that topic. I think a lot of people can feel sort of threatened by this topic and it's somewhat shameful is what I've been told or it's hard to talk about with your partner. So we're just looking for some clarity and possibly some answers to, um, I, I think, maybe a better understanding of what would be good for you within a relationship. Maybe even we can talk about what would be good for you if you're single. But let's start with the masturbation topic. Do you get a lot of people um, as clients dealing with this within a relationship? I wouldn't say a lot, but some. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, and yeah, it's a big question. Um, and well, it's of course complicated. Of course. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, one aspect is that there's a lot of shame in our culture connected with masturbation. Right. Uh, you know, it used to be called self abuse. Um, and, uh, so there's that. But the reality is um, that our bodies are wired for pleasure. Mm -hmm. Uh, The skin, the internal organs, uh, you know, millions and millions of nerve endings whose job it is to pick up sensory information and to detect whether it feels good or feels bad. And even before an infant can feel emotion, they can sense this feels good, this feels not good. Okay. Not that they could put it into words. Right. But they move towards that which feels good and move away from that which feels bad. <clears throat> Excuse me. Even in utero. So um, a baby in its mother's womb is swimming in the amniotic fluid. <clears throat> Excuse me. In the... Uh, Arms and legs are waving around, kind of swimming, you know. uh, So for a long time, scientists thought, well, this is random. But then they began seeing what looked like a pattern, which was that certain parts of the body were touched by these 
uh, hands in particular of the baby inside the womb that appeared to be moving randomly. So they did uh, studies uh, with uh, sonogram uh, imaging, and they found that the most common place where the infant's hand touched on the body was the mouth. The next most common place the hands touched were the genitals. This is boys and girls. And this makes sense because uh, infants are very uh, sensitively focused around the mouth because they're going to need to eat. Um, But they're also uh, uh, very likely to touch their genitals in utero. And the uh, conclusion is that's because it feels good. Uh. So this is long before anybody ever said, don't do it, or uh, (laughs) even before the baby is born, there's uh, uh, a more than random tendency to touch their genitals in utero. And even uh, little boy babies in utero uh, have been seen with erections. Wow. So, so, go ahead. Yeah. You can finish. Well, as you can say, the, the, the point of this is to say that it is entirely natural and normal to want to touch our genitals. So, where did you it know, come that, from that it was self-abuse? Do you know the history behind that? Well, at least part of it goes back in the Judeo-Christian heritage. Somewhere in the um, Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, there was a guy whose name was Onan, O-N-A-N. And uh, <clears throat> the, the story is he uh, uh, masturbated and ejaculated, so he spilled his seed, and that was viewed as a sin. Because what you're supposed to do with sin, with uh, uh, sperm, is to make babies. So that's called the sin of onanism, named after the guy. Oh. So there's that, and that that may be the most the the, the largest contributor to this cultural sense we have that there's something shameful, bad, wrong, sinful about <clears throat> masturbation. Yeah, I mean, I do feel like um, that is definitely the mentality that I grew up with, for sure. Um, And then I've noticed a major shift, and I don't know if this is just my awareness has turned to this or if this is a cultural shift in general, but it seems to me that a lot of people are talking more openly now about healthy self-touch and how important it is to be in tune with our bodies enough to know what we need and if that is that kind of you know, pleasurable touch, as you're saying, then that is what we need in the moment. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Have you noticed this shift? Yeah, I think that is a growing shift. Um, there's there's plenty of people who aren't <clears throat> in that wave, I believe, uh, who feel very uncomfortable with even the idea of touching themselves. Right. But there are many more people, uh, it looks to me like, <clears throat> who are uh, much more comfortable with this, much more open about it, more able to talk with their partners about it. Um, and so that it's not like secretive right. in a relationship. Okay. Well, that actually brings me to the main point that I would want to talk about because 
I think when I'm getting these questions, a lot of times, like I said, it's from women within a relationship and their big concern is about the secrecy piece of it. It doesn't necessarily, I'm not sure if it's the actual masturbation, but it's the secrecy and especially you get porn involved. I think it can feel threatening to a relationship. So if let's say you are in a relationship and um, you're having sex consistently, what then would um, you tell someone who was they're par- finding out that their partner was also masturbating as well. It, like, what would the mentality be behind that? Well, I think it depends on the um, relationship and on the nature of the agreements that they have with each other. Okay. And this is this is a um, huge missing piece for many, many, many relationships. Um. And um, uh, <clears throat> it's there, there are often a lot of assumptions made. Oh, we're together. Oh, we're committed. Oh, we love each other. Oh, we're married. Whatever the form of the relationship is. And then the assumption is, therefore, X, Y, and Z will not happen. Right. We don't need to talk about it, but, we, but I just know it. And then X, Y, or Z does happen. And people are really upset and hurt and angry and all of that. So I just think it's really uh, of fundamental importance in a relationship that matters to both people or however many people are in it, uh, that there is open discussion of what each uh, partner needs and wants. And... um, uh, what the boundaries are, yeah, and what's okay, what's not okay, and even people that uh, decide to have an open relationship and they get that far, they need to be really clear about well, this is okay and this isn't okay. Um, I want to know about it. I don't want to know about it, um, uh, and maybe I want to hear every detail. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, you can do uh, anything with your other partners except X, Y, or Z. Uh, look them in the eye or kiss them or call them back or whatever. You know, it's, it's highly um, unique to each relationship. But people need to have these conversations. I've had a number of clients over the years who've come to see me for infidelity. Uh, and these were in open relationships, mm. but the agreements were violated, and and it feels terrible yeah. when the agreements you've made about the parameters of your partnership have been violated. So there really so, isn't a straightforward answer of like masturbation is good or bad for a relationship. It's mostly what I'm hearing you say about the communication within the partnership and the boundaries and the understanding that you set up with your partner. Yeah, there is no one size fits all. Okay. There is no quote normal. Okay. Quote healthy. Um, Yeah, I think um, uh, there are questions about <clears throat> of ways in which certain behaviors can harm the person or the relationship. 
for example, if someone is secretively masturbating 10 times a day and uh, uh, not showing up for work, not paying attention to their partner, uh, not taking care of the kids, not paying the bills, or whatever. <clears throat> so if if there is a behavior that's out of control uh, as measured by it's harming the person or the relationship, uh, then, then that's a serious issue. Right. And that's what, you know, commonly is called sexual addiction. Yeah. Uh, which term I don't like because it's not really accurate and it's uh, a misnomer. What do you mean? A lot of things. Well, if somebody has a high sex drive and the other partner is uncomfortable, it's really easy to say, well, you're just a sex addict. Yeah. Um, it's also used as if it's a thing, as if it's a um, recognized term for a mental problem. It is not an official diagnosis. It was popularized by Pat Carnes, who um, uh, trains uh, uh, sex addiction therapists, um, and uh, but it's not like a, a, it's not an official diagnosis in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual that the American Psychiatric Association uh, maintains. Uh, but that's not to say that people don't have problems at times with what we call out-of-control sexual behavior. Mm -hmm. That's just a more precise way to, to uh, name it or describe it. Um, and it's, it's related to other kinds of compulsive behavior gambling or shopping or mm -hmm. it's the compulsivity of that though is, is what yes. I yes okay so, yeah. so it's it, out of control right it's out of control it's affecting your life your life becomes unmanageable that all makes sense to me if that's not the case and this is just you know uh, I don't know it's like a thing that happens every once in a while um the main thing that I hear again and again from you is just the communication being the thing that matters the most. I do feel like, like I personally would sit here and go, how do I have that conversation? So do you have recommend yeah. recommendations for people of how to approach this topic? Because as we stated earlier, there's a lot of shame around this often. I think people can become defensive almost. And then it's like really the secrecy could either amp up if they don't feel comfortable being honest or, right. um, right. Or there's accusations, yeah. things like that. So do you have suggestions for people on how to approach this topic with their partner? Yeah, um, and it is hard um, for several reasons. There's a lot of shame around masturbation. Also, sex in our culture is a pretty taboo topic. Yeah. Uh, so it's not easy to talk about it. Most, most of us grew up in homes where it wasn't talked about that much. I mean, what I got in my house was, don't do it. Right. <laughs> uh, so, um, so we're not well-trained and comfortable. I mean, we can talk about finances or we can talk about uh, schedules or all these other things that we've grown up talking about and hearing people talk about. Um, so maybe a way to start is to say, 
you know, this is hard for me to talk about this, but I have a curiosity or I'm confused or I'm scared or my feelings are hurt, whatever it might be. Uh, but to, um, to try to be as open and as vulnerable as possible. Um, it's easy um, to lead with anger or blame. I know what you're doing in there. You shouldn't be doing that. Right. Um, <clears throat> that's not an invitation to an open conversation. And that you're very, that's very likely to lead to a defensive um, response and avoidance and more secrecy. Um, <clears throat> if the female partner is feeling threatened, say, uh, <clears throat> boyfriend or partner is uh, watching porn um, and she's, quote, caught him several times, meaning walked in on him or uh, saw the evidence on his phone in the computer, um, uh, it's, it's she may be feeling threatened. He's looking at these perfect images of these airbrushed women who are um, uh, athletic and always ready for sex, ready for anything. And how could she possibly compare with that? Um, and for many men, probably for most men, that comes as a surprise to them because they're not thinking about uh, how much they prefer the uh, images on the screen. It's just that that's a highly efficient way to get off. Mm. Um, uh, and um, they're not confused by the difference between their partner and the images on the screen. Uh, but um, female partners sometimes have a hard time believing that. Well, that's that's not even possible. I don't believe you. Uh, why don't you approach me more? Right. And so that's a key issue, um, which is that because masturbating to porn is so efficient, it requires no negotiation with anybody. The internet is always available. Um, and so all somebody needs is a little bit of privacy and a good internet connection. Yeah. And they can have an orgasm pretty fast. Yeah. In real life with real people, it's way more complex. Mm -hmm. It's also way more satisfying, potentially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it takes more effort. So I think um, masturbating to porn is essentially a lazy person's approach to sex. That's an interesting way to look at it. I actually think that would resonate. I mean, I, I know for me that I just heard that and it put a lot of peace into my mind about that because I think as women, that is true. You know, it's, it's, it's can be threatening in some capacity because porn is highly geared to heterosexual men and it's it isn't reality it's not necessarily even the kind of sex that would satisfy a woman at all 
And so it's confusing as a woman, if you're like, that's what's getting you off. But like, what does that mean about how you feel about me sexually? You know, like that just, it can be a little bit confusing and threatening in that way. Cause you're like, I'm not going to ever be like that. Like, that's just not the way that sex would be satisfying for a woman. Yes. Yes. Um, and it is geared to the target audience of, uh, heterosexual men. Mm -hmm. Um, um, but it's, it's so, so here's an analogy. It's, it's like back when we could go to the movie theater and watch a movie, uh, you go to the mall and you go see an action movie. It has all these car chase scenes and people are driving, you know, jumping over buildings and cars and stuff. And then you, uh, go out to the parking lot after the movie's over and get in your car and you put your seatbelt on and you use your blinker when you make a turn and you're always driving the right side of the road and you're probably going to, you know, mostly honor the speed limit. That's because we know the difference between what we saw on the screen in the action movie, how people drive, and how we drive in real life. Oh. We've been riding in cars our entire lives. Mm-hmm. And we've, we took driver's ed once upon a time. And um, so we know the difference in driving cars between uh, what we see for entertainment on the big screen and how we drive in real life. We don't have that reality check in our culture with porn. Mm-hmm. Porn is essentially entertainment. I sometimes say to my younger clients, you do know, of course, that porn is not a documentary. Right. And sometimes I get some funny looks like, really? Yeah. Um, and, and the sad reality is that young people these days get probably 90% of what they think they know about sex from watching porn. Right. We, I think and, we talked about that last time of just the younger generations. Uh-huh. are. I think we talked about that last time, that the younger generations are equating porn to realistic sex, and it's not at all. But that is what they're right. learning from, and that is why they're having a harder time being satisfied in actual sexual experiences versus porn and masturbation. Right, right. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so uh, there's a big challenge here. How do um, young people or people of any age learn how to speak openly with their partner about uh, sex, uh, their fears, their desires, their uh, questions, their ignorance? Um because we're all supposed to be cool and on top of this. Right. Um, and even um, having intercourse for the first time, I think a lot of young people do that to get it out of the way. So, so they're not burdened with being a virgin anymore. Mm. So now they've, you know, uh, uh, been initiated or something into adulthood. But, uh, <clears throat> Um, learning how to create and maintain a mutually satisfying sexual relationship with another adult is a hugely complex thing. Yeah. Uh, 
I sometimes say to my clients, you know, uh, being in a long-term intimate relationship is harder. Maybe the hardest thing humans try to do. Mm. Like putting somebody on the moon was easy compared to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would actually agree with that. <laughs> Nothing challenges me more than in my life than my relationships. That is the truth. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. It touches us at the deepest level. Yep. And um, uh, so, yeah. If you know anything about me, you know I am a massive creature of comfort. It is one of my top priorities in life to make my surroundings comfortable at all times. So when I found Cozy Earth, I quickly scooped up all of the luxurious bedding and loungewear that I could. It felt very on brand for me, but then I went on a trip with a girlfriend not too long ago where she could not stop commenting on how cute and comfy my pajamas were, which then made me realize they may also be my new favorite travel companion as well. Guys, I am not kidding when I say you will experience unmatched softness and smoothness with all of Cozy Earth's products. The temperature-regulating bamboo joggers and pullover crew add comfort and a touch of style to any travel ensemble, and their bedding comes in the most adorable totes, making it a super easy gift to give anyone. Discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code VELVETSEDGE at the checkout for an exclusive 35% off, and let them know we sent you when you're at the checkout. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. So I was reading a bunch of articles before we got on the phone um, just to see kind of what people were talking about on this topic. And from Psychology Today, they were saying that there are, while most people don't view you know, watching porn as cheating. There are some people who do and the main, but the main deal is sort of like what you were just saying. It's the secrecy and that, that is the bigger issue because even how you just described it, the parts about it's entertainment or it's the easy way out. It's the lazy man's game at sex. Like that makes sense to me. And I actually can buy into that in most cases. I do think there's some cases where, you know, it goes extreme, but that's the same with anything, alcohol, drugs, all of it. But, um, 
In most cases, it's not necessarily viewed as cheating as long as the conversations are happening. So I think in a lot of relationships, the conversations just aren't happening. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Okay. So the main goal, go ahead. Oh, I just want to say in my office, I hear a lot of people talking about their view that their partner masturbating is cheating. Right. And I don't think we have any numbers on this. Uh, and it may depend on the age and so forth of folks. But um, it's the, it, it's not a minuscule amount of, of relationships in which the belief is that it's cheating. Okay. Where do we need to put fantasy into this equation? Because I kind of I kind of look at porn as a bit of like a sexual fantasy or an escape maybe. And I don't know that I feel like that's a bad thing or a good thing. I don't I don't know. How does that affect a relationship to um kind of live in a fantasy or allow yourself to go into that? Like is that a bad thing for a relationship? Uh, I think if, you know, it, it can be overdone, like you were saying, anything can be. Um, if two people are having sex, whatever that means, whether it's intercourse or other kinds of sex, um, and each, uh, each person is kind of creating a movie in their head to um, try to get and maintain more arousal. Um, you know, depending on the relationship, that may be okay with those two people. Uh, personally, I would be disappointed with that. Uh, I want to uh, be excited about and into my partner, mm-hmm. and for her to be uh, to be doing the same thing in my direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but if two people are okay with doing the other thing, that's all right. You know, it's um, there's no law against that. It, it doesn't um, create harm. Um, but if if that's not the understanding two people have, and one person learns that the other person, in order to even participate in a sexual act, needs to be thinking about somebody else that could feel very hurtful to them Mm -hmm. if that violates the understanding they had about what this relationship was. So again, it comes back to the, the, the agreements, the understandings that people have together. Yes. Okay. I do agree with that. I think I meant fantasy more so as like when you're watching porn that to me that, cause it's like you said, it's entertainment. It's not like, a re- to me, it's not a realistic version of sex at all. So if there's certain things happening, then I don't know, maybe that's like, oh, this is a dream scenario or whatever. Um, is that, does that affect a real relationship? Uh, it doesn't have to, but it also could. Yeah. You know, it, it depends on what people do with it. Okay. And if, you know, a lot of that depends on the degree to which they know and understand that um, depictions of sex on the screen, uh, even in you know mainstream Hollywood movies, is somebody's fantasy. Right. Um, it's not necessarily 
real life. Um, in fact, that's a lot of why we go to the movies mm-hmm. to, you know, go on a fantasy trip. Um, our culture frowns on anything that involves arousal. We think that's um, questionable, possibly shameful, maybe dirty, you know, maybe illegal. Maybe, um, but uh, it seems to me that from a more objective perspective, viewing sex as a natural and normal part of human existence, that um, um, being excited um, by sexual material um, can be perfectly fine. It can be entertainment. Yeah. Um, the question again comes back to uh, how the um, agreements are structured in, in the given relationship. Okay. So again, it goes back to that conversation being the most important part of this and deciding within your relationship what you are okay with, not okay with, and coming to an agreement with your partner. And by the way, that's not just one conversation. That's ongoing conversation. Ugh, what do you mean? These things exhaust <laughs> me. <laughs> I just want it to be a one and done in this scenario. It's hard enough. <laughs> Well, good luck with that. No, man. All right. Tell me more about that. (laughs) Well, all right. It's like, you know, um, there's a thing where parents talk about, well, have you had to talk with your, you know, your son or your daughter yet? Right. Sex. Yes. And, And that gets construed as a talk or the talk or the big talk. Just the one. Sometimes called. Yeah. Uh, when really, since sex is a natural, normal part of life, it is neglectful at the least and possibly could be construed as abuse to deny children who are developing, meaning from the time they could speak on, uh, by denying them accurate information about their questions Mm. and curiosities. And children do not fail to notice the absence of response about anything sexual. And so without being told, uh, kids learn not to talk about anything sexual around grownups because people get weird. Yeah. Yeah. And you get sent to your room or something. Well, probably because the grownups were never taught how to have the conversations either. I would imagine. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, but back to the, the, uh, talk between partners. Um, I think it's just impossible to anticipate everything. Yeah. Um, how, how you would feel if your partner uh, glances at someone very attractive across a crowded room. Mm-hmm. You're at a party. Mm-hmm. Um, and does that go on the list or does that, it, it, or is that something you manage at the time? Navigate at the time in the car on the way home. You know, it kind of hurt my feelings the way you were looking at so and so. I, you know, it scared me a little bit. Yeah. Uh, tell me, tell me what was going on. Let's figure this out. Um, it's just not possible to anticipate everything. Mm-hmm. Um, we're surrounded by um, attractive people 
um, in real life and on screens and in um, photographs and magazines and everywhere we look, billboards. Um, and so I think in a way it's incumbent upon um, since our culture doesn't do a very good job of educating us for people who want their relationships to be all they can be fun, satisfying, interesting um, growth experiences and so forth to um, educate themselves about sexuality. Okay. And it's more than just the mechanics of, oh, penis goes in the vagina. Got it. Yeah. You know, I mean, once upon a time, we all had to figure that out. But we, you know, most kids manage that by, I don't know, age 12 or something. Yeah. But how do we talk about sex? Is it okay to talk about sex? Uh, um, um, how do we, what, what place does, uh, sexual attraction and arousal and sexual play have in this relationship we're in? Um, and sometimes that conversation is described as, well, find out what your partner likes. Okay. That's a start. But um, that's 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 too generic. Uh, each moment is a unique situation. Mm-hmm. What what a person likes yesterday, they may not like today. Um, so so it's kind of like eating. You know what you ate yesterday, you might not be hungry for today, uh, or you might. So um, that's why the. Well, that's why the conversation would need to happen more than once. Yes. That actually makes sense to me too. Cause I was just thinking about, um, within a long-term relationship, you know, there might be a time where the woman is pregnant or they're going through something really stressful. A parent dies or there's different circumstances that would maybe shift yes. this scenario to you're not having as yeah. much sex in your relationship. And so maybe there's more masturbation, but like that's still, to keep it from crossing a certain line might still, you know, like as things adjust, there might need to be different conversations that are had around that topic. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And it's really important that those conversations not be blaming or accusatory or angry. Is there one, well, I was going to say, is there one blanket, Blake blanket? Why can I not say that word statement that you would recommend as a leading sentence that could could bring up the topic without the hostility? So um, I don't have a statement, but I have a kind of a uh, guideline. Okay. Uh, so the person who wants to start the conversation is feeling something. Yes. And so he or she should start the first sentence with with the word I rather than the word you. Mm. You're always in that room with the door closed. I know what's going on in there. That conversation is not going to go well. Yeah. Um, uh, In contrast, I feel lonely out here in the living room 
in your back in your your uh, room with the door closed, and I feel I don't know cut off or scared about our relationship or lonely or talk to me about what's what's going on. Mm. So it, it's about uh, expressing your feelings and particularly your vulnerable feelings. Anger is what we call a secondary emotion, meaning there's usually some other emotions underneath that that's driving it. So I may be scared about something, but, but what comes out of my mouth is, why do you always do that? You always do X or Y. Right. Being, being critical or angry. Well, that's not vulnerable. So it's kind of protective of myself if I say it that way. Um, but the outcome isn't great because the other person will say, oh, yeah, well, you do this and that. Right. Or you do this too. Or, um, so it becomes a fight, which can easily escalate. Being vulnerable, my feelings are hurt, I'm scared, I'm worried, um, I'm confused. Um is more of an invitation to connect. Yeah. Being critical or angry is a shove. Okay. Uh, and the other person is very likely to shove back. That's probably a good idea for conversations within couples in general. Like I actually was yeah. thinking through, I'm like, oh, wow, that would be a great way to approach it. Any kind of co- conversation. This one just seems to be especially heightened because of the cultural shame around it, and I think almost se- like encouraged secrecy. Like I'm, I, that's what I was saying. I am finding a shift happening a little bit with that, but just if you grew up, I know especially in the South, very taboo topic, and encouraged not to talk about that at all, or you were shamed. I mean, truly, right? Yeah. Very interesting. Dr. Urian, thank you so much. I feel like this gives a very good foundation for people and hopefully some comfort in this topic and just approaching it with your partner um, from not a shame place and from an open place so that you can keep evolving within the relationship. I really appreciate this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're interested in it and that your listeners are. Yeah. So I'll keep you posted because they give us a lot of zingers. So we might be having to call you back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Glad to talk, talk more. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much for being here. And thank you guys for listening. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. This is Malcolm Gladwell 
from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.